This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. The BHP Podcast is proudly presented by Dead Down Wind, Stealth Cam, Tinks, Skull Hooker, Grind Life Coffee. We also want to tell you guys to check out the new Fred Bear Feel Notes podcast, available on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Learn about Fred Bear and his heritage. It's something you're not going to want to miss, and it's one of those things that really bring bow hunters together. Hello, and welcome to the bowhunterplan.com podcast. Myself, Dave Thomas, Kevin Conlin, and uh, today we are talking crossbows, and um, we are talking with Rob Dykeman from Excalibur. Uh, Rob, how are you, man? I'm doing great. Glad to be here. So, uh, Rob, uh, you know, the crossbow segment's been amazing for you guys. Excellent, excellent crossbows. Let's talk about what you guys got going on for 2020 and how this has shaped up this year so far for you guys with your design. Yeah, we're, we're super excited, Dave. Um, you know, you know, we've been around 37 years and we're constantly looking to innovate and give people a reason to buy our crossbow or give our existing customers a reason to upgrade. And a lot of things we've really been hearing uh, of late is, you know, people really like that compact micro platform. People like speed. Uh, but one feature we brought out last year was the uh, quick lock takedown technology which is a really cool feature that um, lends itself really well to the recurve platform and you know the the need to take down a crossbow you don't really know it's there until you actually have this feature and you can drop the front end off the bow stick it in the compact explorer case and you know take it everywhere and it's not a real royal pain to do that so we launched that technology last year and it really did well. Um, and, you know, we had the 440 last year and the 420. And when I say last year, I guess I'm talking 2019. But where I'm going with all this is uh, we had some really cool features. But what we wanted to do is really take all our best technology in the last five years, whether it's the crank, the charger, the SDS, um, the micro, uh, the QLT, and we wanted to put them into two real special bows, um, two of the flagship bows. And what you'll see going into 2020, and we just launched last Friday, is the um, basically the two new flagship bows, and they feature two real distinctive uh, innovations, the high output express limbs and the quick lock technology, and we dumped them into these two bows, the suppressor 400 takedown, and the Assassin 400 takedown. So we've really taken the best technology and put them into two of our best platforms that we have. And on top of that, we also have a price point um, 340 takedown um, that really complements the new axe that we launched in August. So it's really exciting that we've got all the technology that we've worked hard for with the Pro Shot Trigger the new limbs and we've got them into uh two really cool bows but we got two awesome bows at a price point um at the um 649 
with the axe. Um, and then we've also got the uh, 340 takedown at 899. And all these bows are off the micro platform. It's absolutely incredible, Rob. I have to say, uh, you know, looking at the website and thinking back on some of the product we've reviewed with you guys in the past and looked into Excalibur as a whole, you've come a long way. I mean, literally a long way. I mean, we we can remember when these bows were really long and people were always like, oh, they're too long. It doesn't fit in the ground blind, blah, blah, blah. And you guys like listened to that and came back and fixed it and made shorter bows. I mean, it's it literally... The smartest, I think, consumer marketing I've seen in a long time. Everything that people had an issue with, you guys fixed. If it was too hard to pull, you put a crank system on it. If it was too big, you made it smaller. If it was too wide still, you are able to take it apart. I mean, it's yeah. unbelievable, really. Yeah, I will say this, too. Uh, you know, last year when you came out with the takedown, you know, obviously, you know, you're a little leery at first. You think, is that thing going to really work? Is it going to stay on target? And after putting that one and the new ones through the test lab, it's incredible. You could take it apart, put it back together, and it's still dead on every time. I mean, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what to say there, Rob. I mean, it's a job well done. I can say that to you guys, job well done, sir. Well, we appreciate it, guys. But you know, if you look at this crossbow industry, the last ten years, there was a lot of artificial growth with new states opening up and you know and you guys have seen the amount of crossbow manufacturers that have come on board in the last 10 years when i first started with excalibur 14 years ago there was five of us there was only five manufacturers yep. now at the last time i counted there was 29 wow. um, if you're not innovating in this current market with no new states opening up now we're kind of like the bow industry or the gun industry where, you know, innovation uh, will drive sales and you're in a dogfight for market share. You're not getting a, a Michigan opening up and everybody sells an extra 5,000 crossbows. So you, our philosophy is you really better be innovative uh, to stay on top. And those are features that we try to listen to the consumers and try to implement uh, technology and features that are real world applicable to, uh, to crossbow hunting. Yeah, I mean, I think it's genius, and the reason I say that is because when you look at a lot of technologies that change in bows and anything, I guess, it could be a, a pop can. It doesn't really matter. The point is that when you look at what it is that consumers need or want, you guys have been able to hit it on the head by actually giving them what they're asking for, and that's my point. So a lot of times a company might say, uh, you know, here's our new bow this year. Isn't it so awesome? But like, did you really take into consideration what the consumer wanted or did you just build something new just to have something new, right? Just because you want to have the yeah. fastest bow or, you know, where I think you guys actually are hitting actual issues and, and trying to go for changes that people really absolutely want. Uh, an interesting comment I saw. So we, we've we tested all the new bows this year, uh, the Assassin 400 TD, the Suppressor 400 TD, the Micro 4340 TD, and the Axe 340. So all the 2020s we've done videos on. A crazy comment I actually got today um, was, and this is obviously people who I don't think like the recurve style, I'm assuming, right? So this guy put a comment and said, uh, TD is useless. And I thought in my head, are you serious? Useless? And I had to comment. I don't usually comment on people's comments. But I had to comment on it, and I said, really? Useless? How do you figure that? I mean, people, the thing about this TD concept, to me, is one of the most advanced technology things I've ever seen in this industry. And that's why when I saw it at first, I couldn't believe it when you guys did this. And for me to take that thing apart and put it back together instantly on one click and still hit a target dead on 
is one of the most incredible things I've ever seen, honestly. That's probably a guy who's never hunted out in the mountains or anywhere where he's got to hike I, out. I, I guess not. And like, and, and, and I said, well, maybe you have a large truck, but that doesn't mean the average person has a large truck or wants to store a huge crossbow case. You know, whereas yeah. this, you can put in a tiny compact thing and put under your desk. I mean, literally, yeah. it'll fit anywhere. I mean, that's and that's my point. So overcoming some of that, those negative stereotypes, is that something you guys get a lot? I mean, because of the recurve thing? I mean, because obviously these things are amazing. So, I mean, how does that, I guess, happen? And, and what, what, you know, what kind of stuff do you guys hear like that? Well, nothing surprises me just to start. Um, I think I've heard everything known to man. And, you know, the old saying, if you were to give three people a $100 bill, one of them's going to complain that it's wrinkled or they didn't get theirs first. <laughs> so you're never going to keep everyone happy. And yeah. the, the whole takedown concept, you know, it, it it's cool that you can take it in the mountains or on a plane, but really how many people have the luxury of walking out their backyard and going to their tree stand? Not many. Most people do drive, whether it's 10 minutes, 20 minutes, an hour and a half, most people drive and this whole concept was created uh, because I wanted more more um, storage in my pickup. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Basically, I needed more room and uh, the soft cases are good to protect from dust and dirt and mud when you're on a quad. But, you know, hard cases are definitely valuable uh, to protect the, the limbs and the scope from banging around in your truck. But the first time I had the prototype, I was going to Ohio to hunt with Dan Wallace and the guys that picked me up, I had two explore cases with two crossbows. These guys were traveling, you know, from, from my neck of the woods up here in Toronto all the way to Ohio. Their pickup was filled. Like, you couldn't get much in it. <laughs> yeah. And when I walked out with my two explore cases, they, these guys were like, well, where's your bows? I said, they're right here. <laughs> and they're like, you got to be kidding. <laughs> and then, you know, so the whole concept was to save room, have easy, fast transportation. So... I just came back from hunting on the weekend at my buddy's place an hour away. And that's how I, I travel is with the takedown. Absolutely. So it's not necessarily the guy that goes to Africa or, or the Yukon. It's all about convenience and easy, uh, safe and easy transportation and storage. Yeah. I would say real quick, I'll throw in there that. And, and the other thing is you guys still offer bows that don't are not takedown. So it's not like they're all takedown. If you, if you want to spend a little less money, you can absolutely still get uh, it, it, I guess that would, in my mind, is for somebody, like you said, who he goes in their backyard and hunts or has a hunt camp where they leave their bow there. They just walk in, pick it up, go out and hunt. Uh, but that's not many people, I would say, compared to the majority. Yeah. And that's why we have the Axe 340 and the Axe 340 TD. So, you know, the guy that really doesn't need to uh, to break it down, no problem. We got lots of bows to, to cover that guy. Absolutely. Between the assassin and the suppressor for your new line, the main difference is the one has the built-in um, charger, charger, and the other one is the exterior. Is that the main difference between those two? And the stock, I think, too. Yeah, there's. That's a good question. I just did a video for the launch on it because a lot of guys are saying to me, "Well, which bow are you going to use?" <laughs> and I'm extremely torn between the two, to be honest with you. I was out in Wyoming doing a lot of filming for the launch, and I had one of each. And every day, I actually took a different bow. Mm -hmm. um, the biggest features around, um, the assassin obviously has the true fit adjustable stock, which is really cool. Oh yeah. Um, and you've got the, the sliding cheek piece, you've got the convenience of the sliding catch and the built-in crank. Those are the real separations between the two bows. 
but with comp with a built-in crank also comes more weight. Um, and what I really like about the suppressor is the overall length of the suppressor is a couple inches shorter than the assassin. You've got the detachable crank and you got the full silencing system. So I always kind of say, okay, the guy that, you know, wants a bow for the family, the house hunts four seasons, Turkey to late season deer likes to do a lot of shooting. Um, I would go with the assassin. The guy that wants to run hard and travel light and hunts out of a ground blind or tree stand and, you know, doesn't know where he's hunting the next day, but he needs a quick and easy bow to go with him. Uh, that's deadly quiet, but not sacrificing any power or speed, then the suppressor would be, um, the option. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's great. Great info. So Rob, let's talk about the options people have from price point, right? So someone can't afford like the high end parts. Like, can you go through like what the options are if you're like someone who needs like a very low end cost solution? Sure. The, uh, we came out with that bow right there. It's the, uh, micro axe, um, 340 feet per second. We came out with that bow in August and within three months, it actually catapulted itself to number two in our overall sales, even though it only had three months to do it. And what that really told me, Dave, was the consumers really like the narrow platform. They're not as concerned with the high super speed, but they want compact, they want recurve reliability but they also need it at a price point that makes sense to them. And I know this fall during all the, you know, the uh, false promos and everything that bow was being retailed at five ninety nine. Wow. So you can get a micro ax three forty, recurve technology, change your own string, decock the whole bit for five ninety nine, And literally that bow just blew up for us. Um, no pun, but it uh, took off in sales unbelievable um and that, that was basically that bow was created for the market a lot of people said they really liked the micro but you start at 8.99 and you know with a lot of the crossbows on the market now a lot of them are offshore doing 400 feet per second for you know 3.99 and on a good day on a sale you can get one for 2.99 yeah mm -hmm. which is crazy in my mind um you know it's almost a dispensable crossbow at that rate yeah, but sure. uh, that's kind of where the crossbow market's gone, uh, and I think there's obviously a good market for people who want something North American made at a reasonable price point. And I think that's why the axe was so successful at uh, five ninety nine, six forty nine, and then from there we obviously go up in price. Um, Eight ninety nine does really well for us uh, with the micro three thirty five series, and now. We just dropped the takedown technology and the five feet faster in the 340 takedown to replace that micro 335 category. Then we jump up into just over a thousand dollars with the 360 takedowns, and then we get into the 1499, uh, you know, Bulldog uh, 440, as well as the Assassin 360, and now the what I call the um, pinnacle of uh crossbow perfection with the assassin 400 takedown at 17.99 and i will throw in that bulldog 440 is no joke that is a powerhouse <laughs> yeah it's a, a mean machine <laughs> yeah you know one of the things you talked about is you know some of these guys marketing these things online for 399 299 and they're over 400 feet per second i have to say in 
testing crossbows, I'm really nervous about testing those. I would if say, we ever get those in, because yeah. you got to wonder where are they, where what kind of material are they using that they can sell it that cheap? For and, sure. And you're trying to crank it up to over 400 feet per second. It just scares me. We, I, I honestly, I try not to be biased because we try to work with all the companies to understand the product, learn it. But I do say to people when they come to me in person, they say, you know, oh, I was thinking about getting this crossbow. What do you think? I'm like, did you look at Excalibur? You should really look at Excalibur at that price point. I know it's a little bit more money, but there's number one, safety as a concern. Number two, e- easeability. I mean, I, 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 you know, those obviously we all know, and the reason we're all talking in these conversations is cams can blow up. They can have a lot of issues. Any little thing could put you out of business pretty fast with a compound type crossbow. So one of your biggest advantages, Excalibur, is not having that. And I think, and I try to tell people, I'm like, you got to spend a little bit more money. It'll last you forever. I mean, this is yeah. not like a kind of crossbow that, you know. And it's not just that. Like, if my kids are using it, I, you know, my kid is only, I think, pretty much only shot an Excalibur in the past four years hunting. And to be honest, and a lot of people don't know this about me. But uh, I shoot a lot of different compound bows throughout the year, but my backup bow is always an Excalibur. It's always my, it's there. And it's always like just this weekend, Rob, I was out and I was hunting with, uh, I had a Bowtech Rain. No, I'm sorry, a Bowtech Realm SS, and I was hunting with it. And then uh, it got super cold, and I'm like, I can't, you know, the spot I'm in, it's not going to work. So I I took my Axe 340 out there, and uh, this huge doe came in at 45 yards. I put it on the heart, fired it with, I was using a Muzzy One broadhead, and Right through the heart. I mean, literally, if it's nice. so straight and so true, I was like, oh, my gosh. And the flexibility and the compact of this crossbow, for me, was an, an incredible. And at that price point, it's also incredible for someone who doesn't want to spend a ton of money. The only thing I would recommend for people is to consider the fact that all of these, most of these crossbows, I think almost all of them, there might be one or two that you can't do it, but all the ones I see have the ability to add the charger ext system and i'd recommend that highly because i mean the ease of use of that thing and be able to cock it like that quietly and stop midstream if you some a deer's coming you need to stop moving i mean it's priceless literally for a 100 bucks more whatever it is totally worth it yeah totally worth it the main the main thing about that story that you might have missed rob is when it comes to cold weather and hunting, yeah. Dave is not yep. your... Uh, he, <laughs> kind of a pansy. He, he's not an Eskimo, let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Summer's in Florida, does he? <laughs> or winter's in Florida. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much what I need. I, you know, Dave's my son-in-law. When uh, I went hunting with him the first time, I took him to the Upper Peninsula. He'd never been in the, in the UP, and it was it was pretty brutal. It was like 18. 17, 18 degrees, and... Windy. I came back home with the nickname of him of Cupcake. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, well, that's pretty close to our neck of the woods. Your UP, yeah, oh, I'm oh, sure. yeah. I, I know what that's all about. Oh yeah, and and it's not easy for anybody, but it's sure when you're talking about being able to use a crossbow instead of a compound bow in those conditions, it certainly is a, an advantage. And it's a reliability factor. You don't have to think about it. It's yeah. dead on. Like I said, I didn't have to think much about it. It was just all right. I need a switch. I'm just gonna take this out right now. I'm gonna use this, and it, sure enough, it's you know, boom. Hey, I'm I'm not complaining. There's meat in the freezer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, most of the guys I know, literally, they all either bow hunt or rifle hunt as well as crossbow hunt. Yes. And what and I think that's one of the reasons crossbows got so popular, and they still are that popular, is because you know I rifle hunt, but. The advantage I have in Ontario is I get three months to use my crossbow, whereas rifle season's only two weeks. Right. So you get a lot of gun guys grabbing a crossbow. And I also know a lot of guys that bow hunt, uh, 
in the earlier season, but then they go to Old Faithful when the weather gets pretty nasty and they, they go back me. into a crossbow. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it's just another it's another tool in our in our box to to get out and have fun. Since nineteen seventy one, Burris has been the leader in optics innovation and that continues today with products like the new Oracle Range Finding Bowsite. Burris offers the best value on the market today. Their optics are durable, reliable, and affordable. Everything they offer from red dots and rifle scopes to their binos and bow sights are backed by their forever warranty. Burris, find what matters. 4K and the XV4's advanced high-resolution night imaging to the latest in wireless technologies. Stealth Cam continues to deliver the highest quality, most reliable trail cameras available. Your images begin at StealthCam.com. Coffee break time. If you're looking for premium coffee for those who grind every day, if life is an adventure and not just a routine, grind life is for you. You could be an adventurer, military person, first responder, outdoorsman, factory worker, or just red-blooded patriotic American. Grind life is here to help you achieve success in everything you do. Visit GrindLifeCoffee.com and tell them BHP Podcast sent you. And enjoy a fresh brew, just like us. Yo, Kevin, give me In a the moment. States, we're still dealing with, you know, you mentioned about, you know, we still have states that don't allow crossbow hunting unless you're, like, uh, disabled or something like that. In Canada, is it pretty much, uh, uh, can you hunt pretty much anywhere in Canada with a crossbow, or how's it work up there? No, not really. It's very similar to the U.S., um, Ontario is fully legal. It's um, included in archery season. Quebec is archery season. Um, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, you can use it in rifle season. Um, Alberta, I believe you can use it in rifle, not archery. BC does have it in archery season. And some of the maritime provinces also include it. Um, New Brunswick, Nova Scotia. Uh, but it's not legal in Newfoundland, which would be awesome because you've got, you know, the bear, moose and caribou. Uh, but it's very similar to the U.S. that it's not fully legalized across the uh, country yet. Yeah, it still amazes me that we're still working on that in this day and age that, you know. Yeah. Like I, I was just came back from South Dakota and it's not legal in South Dakota. And I'm thinking to myself, of all the places it should be legal, it should be legal here because it's wide open, long spaces you know, your average yeah. shot's going to be 50, 60 yards. And a lot of people are not that proficient with a with a bow that they could make an ethical shot with a crossbow. Yeah, that, and that's one, that's a good topic there is how far is far, right? Like yeah, five, 10 years ago, I was quite content with a 20-yard shot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with the new speeds and power that we have on our bows now, Inside 50, I'm good. Anything outside 50, your odds drop like a brick. Right. Um, You know, and I can can shoot targets all day at 100, but when you really look at wind drift at 100 yards, it's crazy to imagine throwing an arrow with a broadhead at a a living animal at that range and think you're going to make an ethical kill. Exactly. I don't know if a lot of guys do it, um, but, you know, we always highly recommend inside 40, um, for the average guy, if you're good inside 50, uh, but you know, I'll take 18 yards every day, all day. 
Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I had that happen to me, Rob. I shot a deer at 68 yards, and uh, the 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 blade opened, and the thing went completely opposite of the deer. Yeah, it went literally like 40 yards to the left of the deer. So, I mean, it might have been 20. I'm exaggerating, but it was seriously like I'm like really. I'm like that's how it's gonna go. Like not even close. Yeah, <laughs> that was, that was, that so was a bow though, right? Crossbow. That was oh, a crossbow. crossbow. Oh. Yeah, it opened. The, the the you know it's you're shooting far and the blade opens. That's what's gonna happen. Or if the rubber band starts to pull, it's a mechanical. You know, you don't know. And even with a fixed, you're gonna plane differently at that distance. You know, yeah. that's a lot of testing. Definitely. We need to do that testing. That'd be fun testing. I'm curious actually how how accurate it would be. Just for fun, but how accurate with the target system it would be if you hit a broadhead in distance. All right, Rob, let's talk about scopes. Oh, this hold year. on, Dave. One quick second on that. While we're talking broadheads, you got to make sure you come see us at ATA because we're going to be launching a new broadhead, oh. and it will address everything you just talked about. Interesting. Oh. Everything you just Dang talked it. about that you didn't <laughs> like or will happen, these broadheads address it, and they are 100% made um, for... Uh, modern day crossbows. Wow. Are they gonna look? Are they gonna be mechanical? Or are they gonna you can't be? Can't tell uh, us probably. Well, I'll just tell you that I really like big blood trails. Okay. I know exactly what's gonna okay. happen here. I have an idea in my mind, and maybe yeah. we, after the show we can talk about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we teamed up mind. with um, our current supplier that does our uh, bolt cutter and exacts, and I gave him a pretty serious challenge to make us um the ultimate mechanic wow i just blew it the ultimate mechanical broadhead for high speed crossbows uh-huh. and this guy he pulled it off and it's phenomenal well that's okay. exciting is it like is launching it gonna be that at ATA. than everything we've seen so far in the industry will it be something completely different or um there's definitely new technology patent pending um but what it's going to do and we could do another podcast just on this topic alone but what it'll do, it's going to address all the problems. I always say there's, you know, 5,000 broadheads on the market. Mm-hmm. There's a, every broadhead I've ever come across will do the job if the hunter puts it in the right spot. Sure. Yeah. They all will work. However, not all broadheads are created equal off a high-speed crossbow. Crossbows are a beast on broadheads. Oh, yeah. In order to get a fixed blade to fly accurate, it's got to be fairly small. And when you got a small fixed blade, it doesn't always give you a good blood trail. And I've, I've encountered it many times, even with our own. Now our, our bolt cutters are awesome, but you better hit the right, the, uh, you better hit what you're aiming for. You know, I said to Bill Trowbridge once the old boss here, I said, you know, I hit this deer and you know, I found it, but the blood trail was brutal. And he says, well, let me ask you a question. If I shoot a cannonball into a house, am I going to flood it? And I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and he said, the cannonball's got to hit the plumbing. Ah. If you don't hit the plumbing, you don't fill up Point. the house. Meaning heart, lung, artery, or vein. If you don't hit one of them, you could have a good shot through an animal. Uh-huh. And, you know, the chest cavity on a deer might be eight inches deep. Well, that blood's got to fill up probably eight inches that might take about five seconds. How far do you think a whitetail can run in five seconds before it yep. starts putting out blood? Yep. And I'm going to bet there's a lot of guys out there that have shot deer with a high-speed bow, didn't see the impact, couldn't find blood for 50 yards, and just thought, eh, I didn't get it. And I guarantee that deer is dead somewhere. They just yeah. didn't find it because the blood trails weren't good. 
Yeah, I, I agree. We just had you one know, this I, weekend. <laughs> I've come across nice. that situation so many times at different hunt camps. It's crazy. So I wanted a broadhead that's going to put a big hole, but be extremely reliable and not open up and deploy off a high-speed crossbows. That's and my buddy Kevin Sullivan, uh, he pulled that one out of a out of a hat. I can't wait to see this thing. The funny thing too, you talk about like with these high-speed crossbows. I I I took a bear in uh, Ontario with uh, one of the, one of the Excaliburs, and the bow was so fast. The bear, I don't think he knew he was hit for a second. He just kind of stood there, and I had drilled it right through the through the heart. And, uh, you know, he kind of stood there for about three seconds, and then he ran. And I'm like, boy, did I hit him or not, you know? Wow. Yeah. And, uh, but they're just so fast. And, and yeah, he didn't go anywhere. He only went about 40 yards. He was done. Well, bears are one of the worst culprits out there for leaving you a blood trail. They're brutal. With all that fat and hair, I should say fur, it soaks up the blood. Yes. And I I shot a bear this spring in Manitoba with one of our TV shows, Canada in the Rough. And I'm pretty fortunate. I usually have a camera guy over my shoulder so I could say, rewind, show me where I hit. Mm -hmm. But most guys don't have that luxury. And I zipped this bear with a good mechanical Everything looked great. I saw it hit through the scope. Camera looked good, all good. I walked up 20 yards away, and I look at the arrow, and there's no blood on it. Wow. And I was like, wow, this is not going to be good. And uh, I saw where he ran about 50 yards. I followed the trail. There was no blood whatsoever for 50 yards with a complete pass-through with a mechanical. And then I found a drop the size of my thumbnail and that's all I could find. Now the light's getting da- uh, going down. We're in the middle of nowhere in Manitoba, mm. and we're looking for this bear. I started grid searching, and I stumbled across him after about an hour of sweating in the swamp with the mosquitoes. <laughs> uh-huh. oh, and I got brutal lucky to find this bear. And what happened was the shot was just a little high, and I clipped one lung. Wow. And that bear was able to go 200 yards, no blood. It died. It piled up and died. But the only way I found that bear was um, grid searching. Uh-huh. And that really, um, you know, gave me the confidence we're on the right track with this new broadhead. And, and you couldn't see any blood on the arrow, eh? The there was next to zero. I was using our Pro Flight white, um, white fletched uh, veined arrows. Uh huh. And there was next to zero blood. Oh, that had to be. <laughs> wow, had... pretty embarrassing, too. The president of Excalibur, we already radioed in, dead bear. Yeah. And next to, you know, <laughs> there's no bear. Oh, boy. I was like, oh, boy, we better find this thing or I can't go back to camp. <laughs> wow. So we found it, but it was brutal. Yeah. It was brutal. But I've also hit bear where they die in five feet. And it goes back to Bill saying, if you don't hit the boiler room, right. yeah. you're not going to find whatever it is you're hunting with. And, you know, we wanted a broadhead that's going to give us unbelievable accuracy, performance, reliability, but also give you a little bit more help for those marginal shots. That, yeah, that's awesome. That sounds good. All right. Well, speaking of aiming, let's talk, let's talk this, the new TAC 100 scope. Uh, so tell us about that thing. It looks like it's brand new this year. Uh, the TAC 100 came out last year. Um, awesome scope. A uh, lot of talk about, you know, why 100 yards if you don't promote 100? It's kind of like when you rifle hunt, you want to shoot it to 200, but most of your shots are inside 100. It, I figure if I can hit, 
you know, a hockey puck size target at a hundred yards, a 30 yard shot's going to feel like I'm shooting a beach ball. Um, so what we wanted to do was a really nice, crisp, clean, clear, lot of light gathering reticle, but a really quick and simple reticle. You know, you look at a lot of stuff on the market. There's a lot of lines. It's really busy. You know, when you get a deer, a buck, a bear, whatever you're hunting, and all of a sudden that moment of truth comes up and you only have three seconds to figure out what's going on and pull a good shot, you need a nice clear reticle that's not too busy. And that um, TAC 100, I think, really fits the bill with those nice little round circles. And you get the illumination, uh, red or green, and it's a real compact, really good scope. I think it's great. I think it looks awesome. I like I like the speed rings on them too, where you adjust it for the speed of the crossbow you have it on. It's very cool. Yeah, a lot of guys don't quite understand that, but Bill Trowbridge designed that has to be 15 years ago, and that's one thing I wish he did put a patent on because everybody's copied it. But um, it's an awesome feature that takes all the uh, calculation for arrow drop, and it's not absolutely bulletproof but it once you tinker with it you can really fine-tune it and you can drop your arrows in 20 to 100 yards pretty pretty accurately that's yeah. amazing and also I, I know you guys have on your website there are like crossbows 101 so there's there's some things for people to learn on there about changing strings decocking the crossbow um whole bunch of stuff on there and i'm sure you guys got more on your social pages as well yeah, we try. We try. And, you know, we're trying to put everything we can up on online on YouTube. And, you know, like how many times you guys need to fix something around your house and you're like, you know what, just Google it. Yeah. You know, so that's our philosophy here is we and we don't want a guy stuck or trying to figure something out on his own. We're trying to have as many videos as possible, whether it's changing a string or installing an X shock or working the QLT, just, you know, when in doubt, Google it. He's the smartest guy we know. Yeah. We try, I mean, even in our videos, we try to put like how to cock out a decock. We try to do all that as well. So I think there's a lot of good info out there. I think for people to get, uh, if they have questions like what, what we're talking about and trying to understand it, but I think all in all, the, the whole package concept of, of the Excalibur crossbows nowadays is unbelievable. The Assassin, uh, to me, like the 400 TD now, is just uh, just amazing, honestly. The, the, the true fit stock to me and the charger built in is just incredible. Like that ability to just slide that thing down, cock, grab the string, lock it, and pull it back is just unreal. Uh, so it's job fast. well done. Job well done, Rob. That's what I want to say. So uh, <laughs> how far are you from Lake Simcoe? I was just there on Saturday. Oh, Lake Simcoe. Okay, I was thinking the town Simcoe down by Lake Erie. I was there on the weekend hunting, but Lake Simcoe for us is probably oh an hour north of us. Okay, because I, I I've I've done some fishing on that lake, and uh, I'm gonna try to get my grandson up there with me this year. Maybe stop by and see the factory. How do you do? You go up through the UP, or do you come through um, Port Huron? Through Port Huron. Oh, uh, you'll drive right past us then, right through Kitchener. Okay. Yeah. Oh, nice. By all by all means, stop in. That's great. Um, so Rob, what do you got going on this year for hunting? What do you got any good plans coming up? Um I've done a done? lot so far. <laughs> probably more than the average guy, and my wife would probably tell you way too much, but <laughs> I was out in Wyoming for pronghorn, uh, muley. Ooh. Um, I did a spring bear. I got a bear on my own property up here. 
Um, took a deer this week. Um, and I just talked to my buddy Dan Wallace today, and he invited me down to Ohio to do some filming. So I might try to squeeze in one more uh, nice. Ohio buck on the year. Now, look in Ohio, um, are you guys, um, uh, how much land are you guys hunting down there? Dan, um, he's got it. He's got a sweet setup. He's got leases. He's got rights to all nice. kinds of property. He's literally hunting, I'd say, 20 different properties, if not more. Wow. And awesome. him and his crew, they manage it well. They they bait where appropriate. Um, they got more food plots than you can even imagine. And uh, the hardest part hunting with Dan, and I've hunted a lot with him, um, is picking the right stand. When you only have two stands <laughs> to pick, you're, you know, you got 50, yeah. 50, but when you've got 45 stands to pick yeah, from, different lots. It, it makes it hard to know you're in the right spot because one of those stands will produce a big buck. You just better hope you're on the right one. What kind so of, uh, deer part. size are you seeing down there? Like, what are you guys seeing like on the cameras and stuff? Like, like one fifties, one eighties, like what kind of number? In Ontario, if you get a 150, you've done extremely well. Um, for Dan and his crew in Kentucky and Ohio, Dan would call that a good deer, whereas we call that great deer. Um, he shot a buck, and you'll see it on his TV show, Hunting the Backwoods, but he got a nice 170 with his um, assassin. Jeez. And it's it's just dumb looking. You know, like I would I could retire deer hunting if I shot that. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be begging my wife to go every weekend if I shot a deer like that. Yeah. Tell Dan I want my invite. <laughs> no no doubt, eh? No doubt. Come I was down, down in go. Ohio once. I hunted um, southern Ohio uh, with an outfitter one time, and uh, it was one of the most incredible experiences because uh, in Michigan, we don't have a lot of great bucks. There's some decent bucks here, just very few and from, from you know, you're not going to see them very often. But um, down there, I, I was hunting these stands and the same concept the guy had like i don't know four or five farms he managed and each farm had maybe four stands whatever and uh he pulled the camera card every every day like so we go and he get he go he grabbed the card i go up the stand and he would take off and we come back he texts me pictures of what's on the card from the night before and there would be literally 150 inch 180 inch type deer on these camera picks every single night in yeah. blackness, in the dark, right? Mm. This is during the rut. Like, I went during the rut week. It was, like, the best week I could ask for to be there. However, I didn't see any shooters during daylight, so it kind of stuck, sucked in that concept. But at the same time, just seeing those trail picks was just absolutely incredible. I mean, yeah. nothing. I've seen nothing here in Michigan on the camera like those camera picks. Even the ones we've seen that are big. Yeah. They're, like, these are double, triple the size of those pucks. In unbelievable Ohio, yeah, great area. Just knowing they're on camera, though, gives you a shred of hope, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> you just don't know what's going to come through those woods. And I have a lot of, we have a lot of guys in Illinois and other ones, but I think Ohio is a really big sleeper. I think people oh, don't realize awesome. what's really there and, and how amazing they've done there with their deer management to get deer that big. Mm -hmm. uh, from the hunters to the farmers to the, the state, you know, they've done a great job. And I think people don't realize that you can get a buck that big in Ohio. Um, we have guys go to Illinois every year, spend 2,500 bucks a year for a week, just to hunt a week there. And, yeah. you know, they'll see bucks, they see shooters, but you know, there it's like a 140 men, you know, you're not really, that's a lot of money, you know what I mean? For an average person to spend, to go on a hunt, you yeah. know, just to see a 130 run by, you know, and you can't shoot it. <laughs> I don't, I yeah. don't know. 
Not my cup I of tea, love I hunting Ohio. I've hunted there for about 10 years with Dan, and I love it. Like, you've got just, in my opinion, you've got just as good a chance shooting a 180 in Ohio than you do anywhere. Oh, absolutely. Like, the, the amount of deer they have, and like you're saying, Ontario's not a lot different than Michigan, too, Dave, that if you sit and you see two does, it's like, hey, this is a good day. You know, and you see a little basket or a doink buck, and you're like, hey, that's cool. But in Ohio, you're going to see 25 deer sit. Yep. Yep. That's you know, and it's like, oh, that's my God, this is what deer hunting supposed to be like. Yeah, you I, know, I, so I, it really puts it in perspective when you see how many deer you'll see down there. And uh, it's amazing. And then, you know, you're passing 130s. Well, yeah. up here, you see a 130, you're shooting that. <laughs> it's oh, heck, yeah. It's DOA. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, I remember sitting there. Thing I, one of the things I remember very well about that those hunts is we hunted all day because you know we only had a week down there and i remember sitting in a ravine it was snowing and i saw 35 deer cross me all throughout the day i mean it was crazy like a whole bunch of 120s 130s were going by and i'm like wow this is incredible the amount of deer the does the bucks i mean it was literally really great experience and then you know once in a while i did get a flash of a giant buck one time but unfortunately i saw snow move and it was like and all I saw was all these huge antlers. And it basically, it came down a hill. Its antlers hit the pine tree. All the snow fell. And I saw him turn up and go up. And I saw a giant rack. And it was just like so quick. You know, I was like, oh, yeah. man, my only opportunity gone <laughs> in a flash. That's all how, did you, how did you like sitting all day hunts? That was hard. Very hard for me. Uh, I had to use a lot of hand warmers, um, toe warmers. My biggest issue is my hands and feet. That's it. My body can handle any cold, but it's my hands and feet that go numb. And once they go numb, they they create this hard pain in my hands. So yeah. lately, um, these past couple of years, I've been really working with uh, Mr. Heater and trying to uh, use those to incorporate into the, my hunts wherever I can. Obviously, tree stands a little bit too hard for that, but any ground blinds, I always have a Mr. Heater there. <laughs> no it just changes the whole thing for me. It's like a... If it goes from being a little bit miserable and in pain to like fun and engaging and, you know, I can take my time and look around and feel comfortable and I can put a freaking pie on top of that heater and make a nice hot, warm <laughs> apple pie while I'm sitting there. <laughs> hunting hard, eh? Hunting hard. I like that kind of, like, to me, that's like fun. It's, it's a lot more fun. I, I never realized it would be fun doing that. I always said, oh, I got to be in a tree. I got to be in a tree. I got to be in a tree my whole life. And then these last like three years, I don't know if it's because I'm getting older. But I actually love going into ground blind now because of my space. I can move. I, I feel comfortable. I'm not. I would be more happy with what I like. One of our guys, Ron, he's got raised platform ground blinds, and those are incredible. It's yeah, like ten feet. That'd be cool. Has a ground blind on it, a nice ground blind, fully enclosed, heated. He's got woods in the back of it, so you no know, deer. Can, I mean, it's like thick behind it, so nothing comes from behind you. It's all going to come out in front of you into these shooting fields where he has like you know, um, just tons of. Uh, food plots and things like that so that to me is like the best like you know i feel safe i don't have to climb a tree and feel like i'm gonna fall or you know i mean as you get older you don't know if you're gonna pull a muscle on the way up and you know bite it that's the scary part (laughs) then you really realize like when you're holding on to those metal brackets and stuff you start to really realize like how much it's gonna hurt if if you fall like though it's gonna hurt you know oh no doubt no doubt and nowadays, well, going up and down is just so scary, I think, in that. Even on a ladder sometimes, if you just don't get it right, you know? Well, that's it, eh? Like, I, I'm getting to be a big fan of uh, not so much tree stands, but basically shooting houses. Oh, yeah. In Europe, they're pretty popular. And, you know, you go hunt in Europe, whether it's uh, Finland or Sweden or Germany, 
but they've got these awesome shooting houses where you climb 12 feet up a ladder, but you're getting into this awesome blind that's, you know, it's got carpet, it's got, you know, windows on all sides, a lot like uh, those shooting houses that are pretty popular in the U.S. There's a Michigan company. What's the name of that one that does oh, that? I know I could think of it. I was just thinking of it when you're saying that. I couldn't remember. Hunter something. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about, though. They make those, and they also... There's a couple brands like Redneck Blinds has some obviously that yep. are like the plastic material. They're really nice, very expensive, two thousand dollars plus. They are, but that's the only thing that that keeps those guys back from selling twenty thousand oh of them a gosh. year. I'm sure. Yeah, if they could get their prices down, you would. If those were like five hundred bucks a pop, I would buy four of them, no problem. I'd be like, let's go. Even if they just made them cheaper somehow, I, I still think the concept of a hard shell and uh, be able to have windows that pop open and shut with visors type thing. I mean, I, I was in one yeah. two years ago. Uh, a friend of mine invited me up north in Alpena area to hunt in Michigan, and he had that, a plastic one. It wasn't a redneck, but it was something like that. And it had, like, windows that were tinted. So they can't see in, but you could see out. And they flip up quietly. There's, like, a button. You just, like, roll it down, and the thing flips up. And it's real quiet. So, mm. like, if you had a deer out there, you could easily open it if you want to shoot. If it's just a doe and you're not going to shoot, mm-hmm. you just leave it shut. You don't even have to deal with it, you know? Yeah, that thing was awesome. It even had a bathroom thing in that it. That helps. That helps keep <laughs> your that scent. That helps keep your scent down too. Oh, I, I mean, I had a heater going in there. I was, you know, and it was cold. It was like twenty degrees, but in there, I didn't even notice, you know, how yeah. cold it really was. So, anything else coming up? Uh, so, just maybe Ohio again. Yeah, I think if I can squeeze out, um, I definitely wouldn't mind trying that. But other than that, I think I've almost tapped out on uh, the hunts this year. Uh, maybe a bit of duck hunting, but other than that, I'm, I think I'm, the freezer's full, put it that way. Yeah, yeah, that was my reason for shooting that doe. I was like, you know what? I passed on does all year in this hunting spot. And to be honest with you, I was really excited to shoot that bow. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I'm shooting this thing. I, this is a huge doe. I mean, literally, it was like a big doe. And I just couldn't believe how straight the arrow went. It was literally just a beam, just, you know, right through it. I was like, whoa. Now, that's Which bow was that, about. Dave? That was the Axe 340. Oh, the Axe 340. Yes. Okay. Talk about amazing. It was so light, compact, easy to get up and down the stand. You know, it just it's very, there's not a lot of complexity. It's just easy. You know, that's what I love about it. It was just yeah. so simple. It's cocked. I go up, I get down at the end of the day. I walk in, I can decock it with the rope. I don't even have to like worry about shooting it and, you know, burning through shots and having to shoot it every time. Like the other guys come in with a compound model and they have to shoot it. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I just, and it's so light and compact. It was just like, that's what I was telling people, you know, it's like, are you sure you want to spend 400 bucks on a bow or do you want to look at getting a little bit better bow for a little bit more money? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. why make that choice to buy something that, in my whole thing, it's more safety than anything. Obviously, this thing has a lot of great stuff to it. But safety is a number one priority for any of these bows. Now, keep in mind, we've tested a lot of crossbows on this sh- our show, and we've had crossbows explode. And it is one of the mm-hmm. scariest things I've ever had happen. And I got hit over the eye, and it cut above my eye. Kind of, uh, Kevin got hit in the glasses. Luckily, a glasses on. It whiplashed across his glasses. I mean, I've seen some crazy crap with crossbows, yeah. especially the count. I've never had an Excalibur break ever. But compound models, we have had them explode time and time again, and that, it's kind of creepy. Nothing worse than you're testing a crossbow is... Or if it gets stuck. It's, 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 it's rated for 400 feet per second, and all of a sudden you got it cocked, and you're getting ready to go, and you hear, tink, tink. I'm like, yeah. what the... And you look, and the limb, is, limb, the is, limb is delaminating while it's still cocked. I'm it like, won't oh, shoot. Geez. Yeah, we've had that where you had to somehow explode the thing. 
you know, from a, I mean, it was scary, man. Like you, yeah. So I've seen them, I've seen them blow up. I will say guys, we, we are far from perfect. We've had problems, no question, but, uh, you do have less problems with a recurve than you do compound. But one of the big things that I always say is, you know, we're not perfect, but every guy in this building for the most part hunts, you know, and for myself down to the engineers, the operations, the sales, the marketing, we all hunt. And the worst thing that we could ever hear from a customer is I lost a day of hunting because your crossbow failed. Yeah. Now, granted, if he drops it out of a tree and busts something, okay, that's kind of on him. But if it breaks because whatever it was shipped from here and he had a bad limb, that's on us. Um, that's the worst thing we could ever hear is when a guy loses time and it, it's all stuff's going to happen no matter what. And like I said, we're not perfect by any means, but there's definitely a lot less problems that can go wrong with the recurve. But I look at it as how does a company deal with the problems? And, you know, our rule of thumb is we want a two day turnaround on all warranty. Sometimes in the busy season, yeah, that goes to about four or five days. But at the end of the day, if you're getting your your bow repaired in five days, what other company or industry actually even does that? Right. Um, So our goal is get this guy fixed within two to three days, uh, get him back out in the field hunting. And you got to keep in mind, we've been doing this for 37 years. So a warranty is only as good as how long that company is going to be in business for. Well, that's that's the other thing I was going to say is like you talked about, you know, way back when you were, there was only five companies and you were one of those five. And, and, um, you know, you've been around a long time yet. Things do go wrong with any, you know, can go wrong. But you've probably at this point pretty much seen it all and know what to do and have fixed so many problems that other companies that are just getting started are just getting into. Yeah. Well, no no question about that. But we're always taken back a little bit, you know, when you're trying to come out with new innovative technology and, you know, you're going to hit some bumps in the road, no doubt. Uh, but again, it comes back to how well do you take care of your problems? And, you know, when I said there's 29 manufacturers now, you know, I've seen every year two or three guys go out of business for one reason or another. Yep. Um, and it comes down to a warranty is only as good as um, the, the company that takes care of it. And, you know, we're, we don't plan on going anywhere. So, you know, as long as we take care of any issues, then we should be okay. And like I say, everybody in this building hunts. We all use our product. How many guys do you think overseas building crossbows actually have ever hunted a day in their life mm-hmm. or know what the hunter in North America actually needs or wants? Uh, yeah. yeah. Especially Not many. Especially the guys in China. Not many. <laughs> nope. Yeah, no. You know? It's just a so job. So that, that's what I think separates us from a lot of other manufacturers and in my opinion, there's probably maybe about three or four other manufacturers that are looking to innovate and make crossbows better. But there's an awful lot of guys looking to duplicate what people are doing just to make a quick buck. Yeah. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I mean, yeah, I, I, definitely. It, it seems to make a lot of sense to me what, the, how you just said that because I, I feel like you're right. 
Some of them are just like, because, you know, a lot of companies, I, I kind of feel a little bad for some of the compound companies who decided to get into it. They're like way late to the game. Like, I'm like, I don't know, guys. It's not such a good time to do a crossbow at this point. I mean, why would you? If you have a decent compound bow and then try to get a crossbow and you're not even in there at all and you're going against companies like yours that are just amazing companies that have done such a great job, it just seems stupid and pointless. But like you said, you know, they're trying to jump in on a bandwagon. But unfortunately, I feel like it's already over, you know. The peak is kind of done. I mean, most of the states have already changed their laws. Most of that's happened. I'm not saying all of them are done. No, but still you know. a lot to go. Yeah. I don't know. Any any of the states that have not legalized crossbow, though, we will not. No manufacturer is going to see a significant bump because there's no population there to do that. Oh, that's a good point. So all the big ones have gone, other than Minnesota, New York, if they, yeah. you know, get point. laws that people can understand. Yeah. No, don't good. count on anything from New York. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm Canadian, so I can I can say it. Yeah, but. Oh my um, gosh. We won't see a significant increase in uh, in the sales on that side, but those manufacturers that are just throwing a crossbow just to say they got one, they're trying to cash in on the popularity, and that's fine. Um, use their brand behind it, I guess. They'll, they'll come and go. Um, yeah. A lot of them aren't necessarily serious about it, though. They're just doing it to say they got one to try to grab some extra revenue. Yeah, that's good. Um, like I said, there's probably only five manufacturers that I would say they're they're in this for the long haul. Yeah, for sure. All right, Rob. Cool. Well, hey, man. Thanks for joining us on the show. I appreciate it. And uh, if you're out there, you can go to ExcaliburCrossbow.com to learn more about all these great products some, uh, Rob's got here and his team. Uh, such a great job. And you can also go to BonerPlant.com and check out all the videos we've done as well on all their new lineup and past models. And, and Rob, some of those videos on the past models still are getting 10,000 views a year for us. It's incredible, yeah. really. Yeah. I can't believe it. Like the, the Bulldog's done well, the Matrix. I mean, they're, they're like 50,000, 60,000 views. So obviously a lot of people are interested in those bows a couple of years ago and still today are still interested, which is crazy. Yeah, I think a lot of people, well, we launched QLT Takedown last year, and I'm still amazed with the amount of advertising and marketing we do, and people are, you know, seeing it for the first time ever, you know, it's yeah. like, wow, okay. Yeah, so well. I think a lot of those older videos, it's just good material that people want to watch, and, you know, um, you know, it's, it's entertaining and educational. Yeah, so absolutely. it doesn't surprise me, but it's nice to hear. Yeah. All right, Rob. Well, you guys keep doing what you're doing. It's you're doing something right here. So let's keep it rolling. Keep that ball moving. Thanks again All for right, joining guys. us. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. It was fun uh, hanging out with you guys. All right. Have All fun right. in Ohio. Yeah, have fun. We'll see you next time. All right, guys. Take care. Thanks so much for listening to the Bowhunter Planet podcast online at bowhunterplanet.com with your host, Team BHP. Check us out on Facebook at Bowhunter Planet. We'll catch you next time. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.